Hey, Dheeraj, uh, thank you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join and uh, you know share uh, with our listeners uh, your, your thoughts around company building, developing customers and markets and teams and products. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Raj. Absolutely. So uh, I guess you don't you don't need <laughs> much introduction. I, I I want to yeah keep the time to to really uh, dig uh, dig into your uh, brain I guess uh, to to get your thoughts uh, around uh, these areas that we talked about. So uh, just briefly for yeah for for the benefit of of, of the listeners, uh, obviously you know you uh, founder and, and former CEO of, of uh, Nutanix and now founder of uh, DevRev uh, where you're you know doing it again uh, all over from scratch so uh, i think i'd i'd keep keep it brief there's there's enough they could go and read up about to to know more about you so with that mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'll, i can we can get started on the uh, uh, areas that that we wanted to talk about um, um before that anything else you want to add about yourself i know <laughs> as i said yeah those, those pieces do do cover and there's a lot more that we can talk about you but yeah, anything no, that you I want mean, to quickly you know, share yeah, I mean, uh, the the fact that, <clears throat> you know, we uh, uh, live here in California, in Northern California, uh, my, my wife and three kids, and we um, are equally deep into philanthropy and uh, also into investing. Um, so we have a family office. Uh, uh, with a team of people who actually manage the family office uh, with our chief investment officer. And uh, our philanthropy is called Paramhansa Philanthropies. And we uh, are focused quite a bit on uh, biotech, life sciences, and uh, this uh, area, which is the cusp of biology and computing. So, uh, it's really trying to be a fly on the wall when it comes to computational oncology and uh, how do you use computing to really solve some hard problems in uh, the field of cancer. Great, thank you. Thanks for uh, yeah sharing that that additional yeah inf- information about you and your your family's involvement in those areas. Thank you. Thanks, Deeraj. So yeah, I guess we can get get started uh, with the 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 first piece around uh, company building. Um, uh, I think I've, I've done a bunch of research on your your uh, you know talks around this topic. Um, people usually think of company building as you know building products and you know selling it and all of that. I think you have a different way of thinking about what company building is. So if you can share your thoughts uh, and and just the framework to use about thinking around company building, right? Uh, how do you think about that the, the whole aspect of company building at a at a macro level? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the core of company building is uh, really building relationships with people, whether it's end users or buyers or customers, employees, uh, partners. It's really about building relationships because people buy from people and people, um, you know, ask for other people for help and, and so on. So I really look at this as, uh, you know, you you build relationships and then business comes and the word that we use for this is brand. Um, so how do you really think of your values and, and how do people remember you? So in my last company, uh, we did a lot of work. It was hardcore tech stuff. Uh, it was building hybrid clouds and infrastructure software and shipping it to uh, a ton of customers and, and have, having them 
helping them build uh, infrastructure, which looks very similar to consumer cloud or public cloud uh, data centers. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But along the way, what we really built was the brand of Nutanix, which was about uh, Apple-like delight when it came to infrastructure or uh, you know, AWS-like convergence when it came to infrastructure on-prem. Um, and I think that's what people really connected with the most. Uh, so many people think of company, they confuse it for product and many people confuse a, a product for a feature. Um, and I think they all just stack up. You know, you start with uh, the core kernel of the idea is really the product, but how the product really connects with people and end users uh, and also connects uh, the end users to the makers, you know, the, developers, the product managers, the support people, all that stuff is uh, the marketers, the salespeople, all of that stuff uh, really is at the core of company building, connecting people to people and, uh, you know, really establishing a brand and, and, and having that core belief about values, like what really matters is company building. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Neeraj. Um, and uh, yeah, at the uh, next uh piece around uh, you know taking it taking it forward uh, you know as you said you know it starts with the core of an idea and then you know taking it out uh, yeah to 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 the market so may, maybe we can start around uh, your thoughts uh, uh, the the frameworks that you use to think about uh, you know developing customers and markets right so maybe start off with uh, understanding customer problems and and needs uh, uh, you know um, maybe that's that's uh, something that uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we could start off with, or uh, you know, how, how are you you want to sort of approach this? I know uh, uh, you're um, heavily into PLG uh, at Nutanix. It was uh, you call it SLG, and then now you know DevRev it's PLG. Uh, so yeah, there's different frameworks to think about developing customers and markets. One of the things uh, when I talk with uh, some of my guests on the podcast is uh, uh, use uh, Steve Blank's customer development model as as a you know way to talk about it, but which is around you know customer discovery, customer validation, and customer creation. Uh, we we could sort of go along those, or if you have a different way of of how you think about uh, or the frameworks you used to think about uh, developing customers and markets, I uh, would love to hear your thoughts there. Mm-hmm. I think there's some good uh, product management frameworks out there. Uh, I uh, believe they all say similar things. And Steve Blank started a lot of this stuff 20, 25 years ago. But uh, at the core of all of this, as you use the word discovery, um, is uh, you know, it starts out with trying to find the underserved market. But even before that is your passion. Um, what are you passionate about? Because if you don't have that passion, uh, I mean, you can always have a quiet taste later on. Uh, and it's not the passion for the problem. It's the passion for your skill. Uh, what's your competitive advantage? What's your core competitive advantage? And I think for, I mean, you've seen this with, entrepreneurs, you know, they do one company, they do the next one, but they take some core skills along with them. They keep, they take their passion along with them. Like for me, um, it is uh, the passion to uh, really think about design and reduce friction, uh, not just between uh, the computer and the, and the, and the human, but also between people, you know, there's a huge amount of friction between the computer and the human which people try to solve with product design, interaction design. Um, but there's a lot of friction 
you know, between departments as well, between customers and providers, you know, there's, there's huge amounts of friction. And if you can really relate to that friction and, and keep working every day towards uh, that, that is the core of an entrepreneur, you know, and that's where you begin. Then you say, okay, where do I apply this passion, this conviction, this skill? And that's when, you know, you start thinking about an underserved market um, and you pick uh, a market that could be underserved because of two reasons, either because the end user are not very happy uh, and there's a sort of a monopoly. It's a, there's a lot of mundaneness in that uh, business, which nobody wants to go and resolve. Um, I mean, go back to Atlassian uh, Jira, you know, 20 years ago when they started doing project management and trying to solve problems for software engineering, it was a boring market. Nobody wanted to get into it. So they spent 10 years just trying to make it uh, way simpler, way easier, uh, way cheaper than what the incumbency actually had. And then they built such a big moat around it that, you know, they created a community uh, where people would talk about their query language, their analytics, their dashboards, their reporting, their automation. All those things came over time. But the core idea was there's an underserved market. Nobody's serving it. It's probably too boring for somebody to come and make money. And anyway, who has made money with developers? You know? And they came and completely shattered that myth uh, over the course of that decade in between 2002 and 2012. Um, so you got to pick that uh, space that you believe is underserved. And then the question is, uh, what's the sort of core thesis you begin with? Um, it could also be underserved because of uh, go-to-market and distribution, that uh, it's too expensive or it's too lumpy or you have to commit to a million to five, uh, two, two to three to five million dollars up front. And uh, you can bring it to tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars and, and price it by the seat by the month. Uh, I mean, what Amazon did with AWS was really miniaturized uh, infrastructure. I mean, it's not like people didn't know how to run virtual machines uh, or use storage or configure networks uh, or secure their perimeter. A lot of these things existed, but the way Amazon did it was by miniaturizing the whole experience. And the commerce behind it was mind-bogglingly different. It was like e-commerce. It was like retail. You know, They were able to stream infrastructure uh, from the web. So distribution can also be another big underserved space that people have to look at, not just products and features and capabilities and and use cases, but the way you sell it, the, the way people consume it can be equally disruptive. So, you know, given these two things, I mean, uh, one is product and features and uh, interactions and workflows and automations and analytics. And the other one is distribution, which is really around commerce and access and distribution. I think those are the things that you look at and say, which one really focus on. Now, uh, I, I look at it as two sides of the same coin, you know, um, you have to be great with content, which is product, but you also have to think very hard about uh, distribution. Um, I mean, there were companies in Hollywood building movies uh, and creating movies, you know, every year there were tens of movies coming out from big studios. But what Netflix did was really disrupt distribution. And finally, they went on to also produce content. So I think as entrepreneurs, people who are building companies, they have to th really think about uh, the yin and yang between content and distribution and think really hard about both of these, not just one or the other.
Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Tiraj. Uh, that's yeah, uh, really a uh, you know good good framework to use. Uh, yeah, to to think uh, think think about the aspect of developing customers. Yeah, markets. and and there's also I mean you know when you talk about developing customers and markets, you know the next phase of this is uh, you know really uh, trying to look for those two percent people who are innovators because you can try to look for everybody and try to be all things to all people. But that two percent is, uh, you know, out there, you know, and they're uh, they are the vocal ones, you know, they are the ones who uh, feel like uh, nobody listens to them. They're sort of the dark sheep uh, in the customer base, and uh, they're looking for something innovative. They're looking for something creative because if you go and talk to the other eighty, ninety percent of the people who are not innovators or early adopters, you'll probably get an answer that's full of. Uh, I don't think the market needs it or there's something that's similar or those other incumbents actually have the same features. It really gets into the bells and whistles of a discussion rather than the underlying piece, which is what floats below the stream of consciousness, below the threshold of consciousness, which is could be around ease of use or be around, uh, or oh, this is a top-down decision. The grassroots doesn't like it, even though the managers and the, VPs might like this too, uh, but in reality, it doesn't work. So you got to go deeper under the threshold of consciousness to really understand uh, not just the pain points, because pain points is just one part of it. There's desires and there's needs. So we all understand needs. Needs is going to be features, features, more features, more workflows, more um, requirements that people currently have, which is like, if you want me to move out of my uh, current tool, then you need to take care of my needs, but uh, unearth the pain points, but finally their desires that they don't know of. I mean, when it came to Apple, I don't think anybody said I have a pain point around uh, you know, lack of convergence. The fact that I have 20, 25, 30 devices that I have to carry or leave on my desk and the fact that they're not in my pocket, somebody had to unearth that desire to say, look, what if I digitized everything, miniaturized everything, and made them all part of an operating system called iOS? Uh, that is an equally important piece of the puzzle as well, which can only come from this conviction, this passion that I speak, spoke of within, where you're trying to take some ideas from other realms of life and applying it to your realm. Got it, got it. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Dheeraj. That's uh, you know excellent way to yeah, uh, think through the whole process. Uh, I guess the next piece of it, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, once you have that that idea, taking it forward, uh, in in terms of uh, you know uh, building the, the the team and the product to go after it, right? So, uh, I guess that's uh, the the piece that we we want to talk uh, to talk about, in in terms of you know how do you go about that process of, uh, you know, building the team and the product. So. Uh, you know, just if, if we can uh, start start with your thoughts around, you know, how, how do we, uh, you know, think about m- maybe mm-hmm. first starting with, with building the team, you know, you've, you've talked extensively about culture, you know, those those five uh, hedges uh, that, that uh, you know, uh, that, mm-hmm. that you use as a framework, uh, but, but mm-hmm. maybe beyond that, uh, you know, how do you use or how to use that as a framework to think about how do you go and start building your team uh, to to take this forward Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i mean you know it's uh there's no hard and fast framework at some level 
you need to think of tools and systems and uh, you know values and cultural principles. But at the core of all of this is uh, very similar to what I said about customers and users, the people who are underserved. So what do I mean by people who are underserved? These are employees who are not being served properly in their larger companies where they currently have a job. And uh, they are impatient. They are rebels. They are folks who want to make a difference and have an impact. And they just can't move fast enough uh, in what to do. And they're also looking for a cleaner canvas because the current canvas is too, um, you know, is too busy. It's too cluttered. Uh, it's too bureaucratic. You know, this extremely bureaucratic. All that stuff comes up for these underserved people. And uh, that's what you really go and leverage. You know, you, you know, obviously you have to go and, sell a dream to them because nothing exists more than the idea or the concept. And to take that nothingness, that state of nothingness to something that people can touch and feel requires people who have uh, the courage to be visual people as well. So, you know, I think entrepreneurs are very visual people. Uh, they, the way they actually empathize with the underserved user is by thinking visually. Uh, and of course, they write it down and they communicate in other ways too. But you're looking for people who can then think visually because you really have to take this very nebulous idea and uh, create this imagined construct. You know, it's like religion. It's like nationhood. It's like one of those things that doesn't really exist but needs to be an imagined construct. And you build this tribe of people who are basically working towards that mission, uh, uh, that startup nation that you're trying to build, that religion that you're trying to create um, is really creating something out of nothing. So many of these people, uh, you know, you got to go find them, especially in the early days, it's actually developers and designers. Uh, and if you're lucky, you'll find one or two good product managers who can gel well in this trifecta of a developer, designer, and a PM. Uh, but initially, I think the founders have to be the PMs. You know, they they need to do a lot in terms of not just customer, uh, you know, development, but also thinking about the market, um, knowing how to connect the dots in the existing world. It's really hard to delegate product management early on to anybody but yourself. But over time, in the course of the next six to twelve months of the company, you will want to find one such person who is like an extension of the founder. Uh, who will go and uh, respect design, who will go and respect developers and their engineering uh, difficulties that they face, you know, can empathize with those things, but also be very good with customers and you know, selling a dream and coming back and, you know, finally executing on, on this vision. Because, you know, many a time there's a lot of conversations that happen and you can talk about frameworks galore, uh, but... Uh, at the end of the day, coming back and executing on it, working on it is painful. I mean, one of the biggest reasons for DevRev, you know, the company that we're doing right now is that there's too much English being conversed in these discovery calls and these early meetings that people are having. But eventually the developers have very little clue of why should they be prioritizing a few things certain ways. Still very feature, feature, feature-centric sprint plannings and project, project, project-centric uh, sprint plannings. And there's nothing about the product, which is a very structured way of thinking about what you're building. 
and there's nothing about end users and customers. So to bring these two elements, you know, and make them the epicenter of all things business development, startup development uh, is really, really important. Uh, because now where the rubber meets the road, it's about, you know, understanding the trends and the patterns and knowing the anomalies and being able to prioritize these things and allocate it to people and just scrum the heck out of it. You know, you need to really do this every week, every every sprint, every quarter. How do you know that the things you're working on are relevant, you know? Um, and I think uh, that's an equally important piece of the puzzle is the process uh, and the way you communicate with end users and the way you get the communications back and really have a call to action for those things. So people process, and finally, obviously, the design of the product, the differentiation that you bring in terms of reducing pr- friction between the computer and the human. Got it, got it. Thank you. Thanks, Deeraj. Uh, yeah, definitely. That was, uh, you know, uh, you know in, in terms of uh, the the team aspect, uh, as you said, the culture is, is is key, but but also, yeah, being able to take it uh, to, to the next level, working together and collaborating, yeah, is uh, absolutely super critical. And by uh, the way, it's easier said than done, Raj. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of embracing a designer early on or two and then having a design culture, you can't retrofit it. You can't... Uh, just go and, and act it. You know, you have to live it. The way you recruit them, these people who are not engineers, they're not developers, uh, they're probably outsiders. You know, how do you embrace them and make them feel whole? And how do you convert their English questions? Because you know, the way they'll ask questions is going to be less technical than the way your developers think of it, or even your PMs think of it, or even as founders you think of it if you're a technical founder. So being able to really, you know, embrace design early on and think hard about design and not just the graphical UI and the user experience of uh, a no-code app, but also a low-code solution, you know, thinking hard about the design of APIs, you know, avoiding any leakage of abstraction, understanding separation of concerns in APIs and the API stack, thinking hard about being the messenger of uh, events when it comes to webhooks, Many of these things is all about design. So creating the design culture is easier said than done. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks again, uh, Deeraj, uh, for sort of yeah sharing your 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 thoughts around uh, the the company building and the you know aspect of building teams and products. Uh, appreciate you taking the the, the time uh, oh, yeah over a weekend to yeah uh, come and share with our listeners your thoughts around these aspects. Thanks once again. Thank you.